Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're going to be talking about fancy breadgum. Which means fancy bridegroom in Danish. And I will never get over how there's a spelling mistake on Hulu, because they spelled the title wrong in the press release for this episode, and Hulu never bothered correcting it. Neither did Fox.com. Yeah, it's in all the official paperwork about this episode, it's titled Fancy Brug Dumb, even though in episode... They consistently say Brudgum, it's Bridegroom, and the magazine is Brudgum. Yeah. So, there's a huge problem there, Fox. You guys should fix that nonsense. They're not going to fix that nonsense. No. Although we do have an EP who follows the t- the show now. Oh, hey, shout out to you, guy or gal whose name I don't remember. Marshall Boone is Marshall the big Boone, one. Marshall right? <laughs> I do remember that name. Yeah. He He's Fire Marshall Boone's, like the person he's named for. So anyway, uh, let's run down the plot for this episode. Actually, well, before we get into that, I want to talk about something kind of heavy. Okay. Not not for too long. For like, so we're going to talk about Ferguson. How did you know? Cool. Actually, I'm into this. Let's go. So I've been have like so for those of you who've been living under a rock. Hashtag Ferguson's been happening, which well, is Ferguson has been happening. Let's well, be real. Yeah, you're right. Well, police brutality in America has been happening. Let's be real. And I am quite certain two weeks from now when this goes up, even if the fires have gone out in Ferguson, that police brutality will have kept happening. In fact, there's been more and more reporting of incidents of police brutality, especially against black and Latino youth lately in the news. Like, it's all sort of becoming more and more prominent so we can see how widespread the problem is. There's more reporting on it as, I mean, basically as recording technology gets more prevalent and people are more informed about their rights to mm-hmm. record the police. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm 100% on board with this. We as citizens have the right to protect ourselves from, well, quiz custodian, ipsos custodians. But yes. the, the long and the short of it is, I find sometimes my ability to enjoy the show is hampered by that. Well, we've been over this before. For better or for worse, and probably actually for worse, one of the things this show does is that it further humanizes and makes sympathetic police across America. Mm-hmm. And we don't need that in our lives. The police get an unbelievable amount of free PR from you know fictional television shows. Almost every show is about the cops in some way, especially detectives. Like, there's so many cop shows on TV. Mm-hmm. And they're all about making cops the cowboy heroes. And in reality, the cops are a nationwide paramilitary force that is the main arm of systemic oppression. Yeah. And I mean, I think the show itself is kind of self-aware about it, at least... With respect to the interviews I've been seeing with the cast, like there's there's some talk of it. Interesting. I mean, then at the end of the day, they can't just magically let go of their conceit, you know. And they wanted to do a cop show. They're doing a cop show. They're getting a lot of mileage out of it, and they're not humanizing bad cops. They're you know demonizing yeah. bad cops. Yeah, this isn't the Shield where they were all terrible people and terrible cops. Right. And, and you still corrupt. end up rooting for them because of how television works. Right. They were the protagonists, so we had to sort of be behind them. This isn't true detective. You end up rooting for them despite them being the absolute worst of humanity. Wonderful. Yeah. 
Wonderful. At least on The Wire, there were good cops and there were bad cops, and you, you knew how to root for the good cops without rooting for the bad cops. I think there are good cops, but they're entirely involved with investigating the bad cops, and the bad cops are our anti-heroes. I mean... Regardless, I feel like it would be doing ourselves and our audience a disservice if we hadn't mentioned this. Like... It's important that we bear in mind that, like, yeah, I'm really enthusiastic about, like, cop fiction, and, like, I know a lot about, sort of, police parlance, but that doesn't mean that, like, I know my privileges. I'm not a blind supporter of a, as you said, a an oppressive paramilitary organization. You know, Ipsos Custodians. We have to guard ourselves from guardians sometimes. Yeah, and, I mean... This is something that's just, like... This is just going to get harder as this gets more visible. Yeah. We need to keep in mind going forward. We are the podcasting wing of a show about cops. Yeah. We just got to keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, I'm going to stop maybe bringing in so much of the real world. It's a literal... It's a sitcom. It's a fucking workplace sitcom. So I'm going to stop imposing real world rules onto fictional cops. Yeah. Yeah. The the closer we get to there, the actual reality of cops on the ground, the less sympathetic these characters can be. Basically. Yeah. And also just, it starts to hamper my enjoyment of the show. Yeah. And I don't want that, because I really enjoy the show. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to get that out of the way. Thanks, Carl. High five sound effect. On a much more cheerful slash frivolous note, Andre Brower was snubbed at the Emmys this past weekend. Yeah, cheerful. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the Emmys. What? It's just the Emmys. Oh, he cool. has an Emmy. Oh, he cool. already has a couple. Cool, cool. <laughs> and he, I mean, they don't need more. I do, I do feel kind of annoyed that, like... It was annoying that the show didn't get on the list. Yeah, and it's annoy it's annoyinger that Modern Family and Big Bang Theory won again. Wait, how do they both win? Jim Parsons won for best comedic actor. Oh, and Modern Family won for best sitcom. I mean, I've never seen Jim Parsons do anything because I don't watch Big Bang Theory. But like, well, and and uh, right, it's probably better than the other way around. My understanding is that Jim Parsons is giving a kind of oh, he... interestingly nuanced depiction. Of basically someone really far along the autistic spectrum without, like, anyone acknowledging it. Slash the creator's actively denying the fact that the character has any form of autism or Asperger's. But making more and more fun of it, I hear, as it goes along. You know, I was once really into that show and I quit while I was ahead. I have the moral high ground here. You do. By not having watched TV during that period. You do. I will say this much. I think Jim Parsons in his own Emmy speech noted that it was kind of passe for him to win. (laughs) Cool. Let's move on. So So the plot of this episode. Yeah. Carl, let's summarize this episode. Sure. So in this episode. The A plot is that Boyle has asked Jake to be his best man at his wedding. Which Jake enthusiastically accepts, quoting Pride and Prejudice along the way. Unfortunately, Boyle is, shall we say, self-involved. And it's fine, except for the part where he can't be honest with Vivian about the fact that he doesn't want to move away from Brooklyn slash New York City to suburban Ottawa for Vivian's career's sake. 
it kind of leaves Boyle in the lurch. Jake tries to coach Boyle through approaching this maturely with Vivian, and Boyle balks, to say the least, repeatedly. Please. He bolts as well, <laughs> literally, um, until Jake has to give him a baton to the knee, drag him to Vivian's apartment, and, and then arm her with police munitions. Which, by the way, she's a little too into. Yeah, she's uh, devising uses, shall I say. You can already see But in see the it. B plot, yes. in the B plot, there's a weird dieting plot line for some reason. That's about it. In the C plot. Rosa has been, shall we say... Rude. We shall say rude. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Rosa has been rude to a patrol officer who has lodged a formal complaint against her, necessitating Holt to ask her to apologize to him. Unsurprisingly, Rosa is very bad at apologies, and this goes about as well as anyone could expect. Also, there's wonderful, adorable Jake Amy scenes interspersed throughout the episode. Yeah. Yes. So let's start with the dieting plot, since we cared about it the least. I mean, it's got a lot of cool things happening in it, Mm -hmm. but it is essentially three people who don't need to go on a diet because, like, who really does go on a diet for some reason? I mean... (laughs) Well, we find out it's because... We find out that Terry has a reason. Yeah. Amy and Gina quit early, um... With varying degrees of shame. <laughs> Gina is so unashamed about it. I love that's, it. That's Gina's character note. I love it, though. Doing things and not being ashamed of it. The sloppy Jessica, if that didn't have meat in it, that would probably be my like life meal if the bread were pizza. Because in a natural state, I would just die. I would just immediately stuff everything directly into my arteries and die. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny you say that because I got so angry when I when I saw Chelsea Pretty's like tweet or like some like call Chelsea Pretty like bit that she did about it where she was like it was cold and gross and the opposite of tasty and it was just messy and I was so upset because it looked so fucking good. There is a place in Princeton, New Jersey, that serves hoagies that you can put mott sticks in. I can I can one up you on that. They'll also put in French fries. I don't think they'll put in a pizza. <laughs> there, and eggs. So there's this restaurant in like Nomad in, in right around Flatiron. Yeah. Called Schnippers. Right. And it serves a sloppy Joe. But okay. they also serve a sloppy Mac and Joe. And I know that they also have pizzas. I'm pretty sure you could recreate the Sloppy Jessica. Well, I can't have a Sloppy Joe because I'm a vegetarian. Right, right. No, so am I. I get this. I'll I'm... just be like, replace the chili with a pizza. <laughs> they would totally freaking do it. Yeah, but then I'd die and it wouldn't be a good experience. Pizza deserves to be separate. Although I did have french fry pizza in Venice because I was really tired of experiencing high culture foods. Also, Venice has really bad food for Italy. Yeah, Venice's food was terrible. Well, it's because they're on an island. They are. They kind don't of... exactly have any farmland. Yeah. They don't exactly have any land. 
and then you're vegetarian, that's a real struggle. Yeah, they got a lot of seafood. Yeah. I, I was fine. It's just then I went to Florence and I was like, oh, this city is alive. Where that city only exists in the past. I was about to say you went to a t- you went to Tuscany and it was suddenly different. Oh yeah, yeah. Turns out Tuscany is where they make the food. What you mean? Uh, that's where they have farmland. If you guys want advice on where to eat in Italy, you can drop me an ask, and if it's in one of the three cities I've been to, then I can give you some answer. Right on. Your your personal Tumblr, as opposed to the back-in-the-field Tumblr? Yeah, they can do it here. Cool. Part of the podcast. Bring it on, kids. Yeah. That Arthur could answer pretending to be me, but give you totally erroneous advice. Never I- trust us. Also, I've been to Italy. Oh, cool. Totally accurate <laughs> advice. I've also been to Germany and London. Have we been to a different... Have we covered different areas? Have you been anywhere south of Rome? Uh, we went to... We just went to Rome and Venice and Milan. Okay, well, if there are any good restaurants in Milan that you know about, that's one more city. I can't remember if we ate there. It was a long time ago. Okay. We might well, have you probably there. ate something there. I remember eating I remember eating a hard roll with cheese at uh, the at at on the Matterhorn. Hmm. So that's that's it. but that's Switzerland. Yeah. Anyway, our super bougie traveling. This is how much we care about dieting. We went from we went we started a thing where like people were trying to make the most out of a single almond, and went on to talking about French fry covered pizza in Venice. <laughs> I am not subscribing to Park Slope portions anytime soon. No, and by the way, that is actually what the place is called. Uh, my HDTV was kind enough to illuminate the sticker for me, and thus I got to see what the thing was. I do like though that. Sarge is doing this for his wife. Like, it's a supportive thing. He has good reasons. And the details we get about his family life are, as always, adorable and delightful. Yes. I don't know if it was a good idea for him to drag Gina and Amy into it. I think he was just doing it, and Amy was like, I like this challenge. I'm into it. And Gina was like, no one can defeat me at anything. Right. I'm uh, going to last forever. Bitches. Yes. I was wondering, though, like, didn't Sarge say that in Thanksgiving that he needs 10,000 calories to maintain muscle mass? Yeah, or more. Yeah. There's no way. No, he's getting 150 calories or something a day. (laughs) Yeah. Like... I mean, probably not, but, like, what was it they like? should really have variable packs. Like, another thing about these diet programs, objectively, uh, Terry Jeffords needs more food than Amy Santiago to live. <laughs> yes. Because he weighs twice as much as her. Yeah, hands down, without question. Speaking of Amy Santiago, though, her face, when she's, like, yelling at Hitchcock, or when she's, like frowning and then like making her like my precious face at sarge when she like is eating the burger and she goes from sad to super mad to sad again to like kind of repentant (laughs) or penitent i guess like remorseful yes thank you when she does that like magical face transformation while sitting on the back of the crime scene unit like van (laughs) oh my god i was like one she looks like she didn't even need cgi to do be in the hobbit you guys and two, fucking Melissa Fumero's face! Her beautiful, expressive face! She's pretty good at faces. They used her face really heavily in the promo shots for this. Mm-hmm. To great effect. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, I'm sure they had a ton of choices. I really, really hope they did, like, a number of takes to get her, like, expressive transitions, like, perfect. I wonder if she ad-libbed the insults and it was just go off on him. Yeah, no, I hope so too. Because like, oh, it was just so great. It was just so great. I couldn't even handle it. 
Okay, last thing. 70s era Scully and Hitchcock. That's it. Verdict? I like it. Pretty similar. Yeah. Weird dye job for Scully. And Hitchcock had a stash. Yeah, he did have a stash. He had that, what was it, the line from old from old school? Everyone had thick, juicy mustaches. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They they are literally the cops that Jake idolized. idolized air quotes. Yeah. Except they never solved a crime. Legitimately or otherwise. <laughs> but apparently neither did most of the guys in the 70s either. Fair enough. I mean, what was their cop science? Shrug. So let's talk about Rosa and Deetmore. So, like, Rosa clearly a little too hard on this guy. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to learn how to do their job. But, like, it's almost worth it for the kind of, like, ridiculously specific way she insults him. Like, Rosa is an insult artist. Like, you forget about that because Gina's over there being, like, Chelsea Peretti, but (laughs) Rosa gets that guy in my first cop kit. Yeah. With a walkie-talkie that blows bubbles. (laughs) That, like, most cop kits, I bet, have a walkie-talkie that plays a sound. She probably found the most ridiculous cop kit. She probably went to five stores, five party warehouses. I'm so sorry. I'm just thinking about, like, one, Rosa Diaz very seriously in, like, a party city being like, I need a police kit for children. Stupid children (laughs) who don't know how to be cops. And he's like, oh, how old is this child? And she's like, I don't know, three. (laughs) Like, oh, no. What's the dumbest age? Give me that one. (laughs) But if you look at it, it's also, like, an expensive set. It's yeah. like a very large and detailed yeah, she, set. Yeah, she dropped some bucks on this. Yeah, that was like, it's a pretty intense set. We mentioned in the apartment that whenever, the precinct always knows when blood is in the water. Yeah. And the same thing is true on patrol, because Rosa comes in and she's like, hey, Deepmore, and you can look in the background and all of those guys like, kind of stop. <laughs> yes. They angle towards her. And they're like, oh, something's about to happen. Well, Deepmore's probably fucked up a few times recently. Possible. Since, like, it doesn't, you know. No one's surprised. And he's, got, he's all petulant. Yeah. He's also like, it's also probably that not, it's not often that somebody from upstairs comes downstairs, you know? Yeah, there must be something big going down. Yeah. But the best insult, I think, is when she compares him to three animals in a row. <laughs> I don't remember the middle one, but it's like a rat brain and a weird goose body. It's kind of horrific chimera. Which is probably what that picture was in the elevator. Yeah. So when they're going upstairs for uh, her to teach him how to do his job, she says, Oh, I forgot to apologize for something when I was apologizing for like... Five different ways I ragged on you before. There's a really weird picture of you in the elevator that I drew. I want you to remember I was really pissed at the time. By the way, she mentions to him that she voluntarily tells him she's in a book club. Yeah, I know. (laughs) She's in a book club. That's awesome. What kind of book club? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know shit about book clubs. I don't have time for book clubs. I don't have time to read. Not for pleasure. No. Also, Holt emotes while burning that pad. Yeah, he frowns. He frowns pretty hard. It's not enough emoting to justify setting an entire pad of paper on fire. 
Well, so it's kind of adjusted for the circumstance, right? Well, like he's frowning a bit, but he's also holding a burning thing. <laughs> he was mad enough to ignite a pad of notepaper. Like, and he's just like mad like someone cut him off in parking. <laughs> it makes me. It reminds me of in Charges and Specs when she's like, there's something I do when I feel burn everything. <laughs> Like Maybe this, she learned that from Holt. I was about to say, this episode, when you pair with Charges and Specs, especially, makes me want way more Holt-Rosa team-up episodes. They're really similar. I know, I love They're it. They're really similar people. I love it. Like, if, if Holt has his way, she will mature in a way similar to how he matured out of his hothead stage. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, like, if so, she's going to be a really badass captain 15 seasons from now. <laughs> Let's, uh, I think that's kind of all we wanted to talk about, those two plot lines. So let's talk about the main... Oh, wait, there's one more thing. Okay. So, for them being so specific about food, and for there being an entire song about it, that's not a fucking cantaloupe. (laughs) I'm mad we... It is a green melon, it is a honeydew. Thank you, Carl. Which is the worst kind of melon. Out of the three ballots I can name. 100% agreement. 100% agreement. I can't actually think of any melons except for honeydew, cantaloupe, and watermelon. And I guess cassava, but I don't know what a cassava melon is. <laughs> there's a, there's like a moon melon or something, right? Probably. I don't know if that's different from honeydew. So if you guys know more discreet kinds of melon, uh, send, us, send us an ask. So that we can decide what the official melon ranking is. Best melon wins a wins a thing, a point. Redeemable for nothing. We'll give you a shout out. Or a point. Something. The cantaloupe song, I hope we eventually get to hear one day. Maybe we, it's in, we heard it. We heard Terry's port like the real one, where Terry goes Cantaloupe. Yes I can. I mean, that's the song. I believe there's not going to be more of it. No, I mean... And there's not going to be more occasions for cantaloupe. I mean... Although they don't know what a cantaloupe is. I so. got it. But I meant hearing it with Terry Crews and Melissa Fumero. Right. Okay. I hope one day we get to hear that version of it. Thank you, Carl. Why would that happen? Because reasons. Why not? So let's talk about the A-plot. I guess. That's the only thing we've left. And there's a lot of it. Yeah. There's a lot of things we liked about it. There are a lot of things we liked about it. Can um, we start with Jake being a really great friend? He's a trooper. He's a great friend. This episode is about, in a lot of different ways, it's about their love for each other. Mm-hmm. But, like, well, we got to some of the ways. But Jake puts up with a lot of shit that you would never expect him to put up with before this episode. Mm-mm. Like... We know he throws himself into things. Like, it's not surprising that he learned how to pronounce a bunch of things in Danish. (laughs) But it is surprising that he would, like, willingly sit there while some guy continually told Boyle to adjust his testicles. Yeah. I mean, there's also the, like, cake tasting with the spicy cake. Yeah, but that's just, like indignities forced on his own body, not having to deal with someone else's body. Well, and the fitting and all the weird costumes. Yeah, the fitting is 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 another point where he would, like, be the fuck out of there. Right. Well, he... It sounded like he was really patient through stationary, too. Yeah, he was very is, patient through stationary, and he was using that entire time to coach Boyle through his stupid stupidity. Right. 
But then, like, at the end, he's like, he's like, look, we have, you know, three different, uh, we have three different options for invitations or place cards. We have four different reasons for you to talk to Vivian. And it, it just, it was really nice for once to see Jake being the good friend. Because we usually, their dynamic is kind of reversed here. The good friend from the beginning. Yeah. He gets pushed past his breaking point, but he only gets pushed by, by past his breaking point when his friendship is abused. Yes. Like, he'll do everything that a good friend would be required to do, mm-hmm. but he won't deal with the fact that Boyle asked him to talk to his fiance for him, and then when, when Jake asked for backup, Boyle was like, nope, you're way out of line, and frankly, I don't think you're being a very good friend. We're leaving, Vivian. <laughs> Like threw him completely under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. I would get mad too. And I'm pretty I'm a reasonably patient human being. Yeah, I mean, you know, I am entirely willing to believe people when they tell them that I am not being a valuable friend to them. Yeah. Right? I am totally willing to fuck off when that is demonstrated to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't stand for being disrespected. Yeah. Yeah. My original notes for this episode explicitly had mature, watching mature Jake, like, exist and, like, coach Boyle through, like, his troubles and, like, walk him through how to talk to Vivian. And, and not over-remote during the testicle part. Yeah. Even, like, when Boyle is making terrible fashion choices, his commentary is less scathing than I expected it to be. Yeah. His constant patience, him, like, using, like, sort of graceful ways of, like, trying to do the thing in the diner, like, maple syrup... Charles, can I speak to you in the bathroom? Like, Mm -hmm. all these things. It's like, Mature Jake is actually a joy to watch. Yeah, and his bounce back time from you, like, I've been pushed too far to know I've got to help my friend is really fast. Partially because Amy is helping to coach him through it. And we'll talk about that, because we liked that. (laughs) And we really like that. And we'll talk about that. But yeah, he bounces back really fast. He's... He's just such a great friend. And I know that, like, we put to bed the Jake is the worst thing. Segment? Yeah, we put that segment to bed in full boil. You tried it out an episode or two before, but I decided it was no longer relevant. But in full boil, it was like, oh, no, he can support people. Right, so we put it to bed. This is the episode where, like, the Jake is the worst thing is, is if there was any doubts left, it's they're gone. Jake is the best in this episode. Like, he's terrific. He's he's read the weird Danish bridegroom magazine. He, which might have been in Danish. <laughs> which, while reasonably close to English, is not close to English. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's that reasonable. We were joking in our pre-show talk that even the show kind of ships them. Because, like, they're doing things that are, like... Typically associated with the bride and groom. Yeah, and the way they leave, like, not just when Boyle asks him to be his best man, which directly parallels... Ring in the champagne. Yeah, Yeah. except it's bow tie in the beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I also, I also mentioned to you, like, there are certain things that they do that I associate with, like, the bride and her, her maid of honor. Like... The cake tasting and the... I mean, maybe not the cake tasting and the invitations, but, like, the outfits. I associate that with the the bride and her maid of honor. Um, The men's outfits? Well, just, like, the series of outfit 
trying on. Yeah, like right. dress shopping. I saw the parallel there as being dress shopping. I mean, the men in weddings also wear things. Sure, but they don't have like multiple outfit option things. I assume most men just go for a tux. No, there's a lot of different options. See, this is the part where I'm not I'm not familiar with Western contexts and I'm there, female. There are not as many different options. Yeah. It's not as critical. I don't know who tends to pick that. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm not married. Fair. Um, but, like, there is definitely not just, oh, we'll get a tux. There, so, there's options. Fair enough. I mean, I knew that there's, like, tie color and cummerbund color and, like, which cut of suit. I yeah, guess, but there's like, not. but like, I guess what I meant was, it looked it looked almost like it was staged, like an episode of Say Yes to the Dress. Yeah, like he's coming out from a curtain. He's like posing on a like podium. And he does say, "I'm not going to be one of those grooms who doesn't eat before the wedding." Things like that, and like just even when they're at the diner with Vivian in the morning, and he's like. Boyle, can you come to the bathroom? Yeah. Like, that it was almost line for line what Vivian said to Bernice on the double date. Yeah. I mean, what he actually said was, I got a mole that needs looking at it. Boyle has eyes. Sure. <laughs> Which is a variant. <laughs> sure. But I mentioned that they they strike me as doing sort of... Like, another thing here is that Boyle is being asked to set his career aside to move across the world for his... Significant other? Well, his wife. Yeah. That's right? unusual. Which is... Normally, it is not the man's career that gets sacrificed in these situations because patriarchy. Yeah. But it makes perfect sense here. Uh, academics at Vivian's level make much more money and she's probably taking over a department and they have much less flexible methods of career advancement. Mm-hmm. Her request is completely within line. Yeah, but it's within line for him to have a problem with it. Yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's understandable why Vivian would be like, well, of course you're coming with me. Also, and this is Eve Six sent us an ask about this today, but also I remember looking this up recently. Mary Lou Henner is actually 20 years older than Jolo Truglio, and that was very surprising to me because neither of them look that. Yeah, he looks... Like, way older than he actually is. He's, like, early 40s. Wait. He's, like, 43. Oh. And she's 64. No, she's 62. Okay. They have a very advanced sex life. Very active. Wonder sex? The kind of sex life that could be enhanced by a police baton. She's so intrigued when he hands her that baton to, like, like keep oil in line. She's, like, rotating it. She's, like, into it. I think we have to leave. I think we have to leave this... This thread of conversation and this episode. It's, yeah, I think we're pretty much over it. I think we need to not think anymore about Vivian's use of weapons. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the other couple. So Jake and Amy are adorable. Yeah, and there's not even any real romantic content to what they're doing this episode. No, they're actually just being good partners. And they've got, like... And friends. Their chemistry is evolving. Yeah, we actually, we talked about this a little bit in... A previous episode. I think it was Full Boil, actually. Okay. Where we were saying how, like... Yeah, it would be Full Boil. Yeah, we talked a lot about them in Full Boil. In Full Boil, we straight up said their interactions were gratuitous. I would, I think you could argue that the interactions they have in this episode didn't need to happen. But they did, and I loved it. Once again, I think the conversation Jake has with Amy 
in the like area just next to the elevator right outside the bullpen is the one where she talks him through how he can be a good friend to Boyle. Where he needs his farm lover. Yeah, and his response is that he doesn't have time to teach her Danish. Right, exactly. I was thinking this rewatch how that could have just as easily been Terry again. Yeah, but it makes more sense at this point in their relationship for him to go to her for advice. Oh, totally. Also, Terry's currently half-fainted from not enough <laughs> cantaloupe, and Amy's gone back to eating. Yeah, no. My, my, my larger point was that I love seeing... We talked before that we loved seeing their friendship strengthen in addition to the romantic context of their relationship. Right. This is a great episode where it's like, yeah, it's shippy because they're cute and we like them. But and like they're kind of flirty at the beginning where where she's like, "What are you doing here?" and he's like, "Stalker." And she's like, "Okay." And then the strip club hand sanitizer thing, which we can talk about. I mean, yeah, I liked the interaction, like, she was, yeah, she was asking if they were going to set up shop in the strip club. Right. And his response is, what would I even sell? Hand sanitizer. Yeah. And she makes this, I didn't want to think about strip clubs today, I, I went too far face. Yeah. And then he doesn't push his advantage. Yeah. I think had this been even, like, three episodes earlier. I know he would have. Oh, yeah. Without question. There would have been a sex tape joke or something. Anyway, but the the point is I love seeing their friendship evolve and I love seeing their friendship become stronger and, and just generally better because I, at the end of the day, they are each other, like they have to depend on each other and that relationship being strong is really important to them and to their work environment. We like this episode, and we've, I've been noticing recently that when we really enjoy an episode, the episode ends up being a little shorter. So hopefully all of season two episodes we enjoy. <laughs> Thanks for listening, you guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.